You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. He says it, I'll say it, you know. Uh, here's what I'm feeling. I'm not saying God is saying this, but I do feel like he's kind of mapped out for me uh, what I am to preach and in the vein and the direction for the remainder of the weekend. And I feel like tonight somebody is going to get peace. Praise God. Praise God. And the reason why that's important is because there's somebody here who is troubled. You're riddled with anxiety. You're not sleeping well. There's things that are getting in the way of peace. And God is going to give you a peace tonight. You're going to be able to get a hold of something. It's going to change everything tonight. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. You can't act like you got it all together. You can't try to fake anybody out, okay? Because now I I told you last night, I I think I did, you know, we are great at faking people out. We can be oftentimes, not one of the problems, but one of the ailments of the church is that we are great hypocrites. We can, like, if nothing, if like, if everything is, if there's no trouble in our life, somebody else could be going through something, you can be like, girl, just pray about that. But when we're going through it, It's something different. And so if we could just not, I'm not saying anybody here is a hypocrite. Heaven forbid, praise God. We all have a bit of hypocrisy in us, if we're going to be honest. Uh, But uh, Jesus, when he's talking about hypocrites, literally, if you look it up in the Greek, they would call an actor a hypocrite. It's really what it was. They'd be like, man, today, Jamie Foxx is an amazing hypocrite. They'd be like, Tom Cruise is a mind-blowing hypocrite. But if we're not careful, we can get our own Academy Awards too, right? Uh, and so let's just be real and acknowledge we all have issues. I got one man that's like, like me, if I could put my feet in the air and everything, I'm like, that's me, Jesus. I got issues. Can I tell you, you won't find one person in Scripture save Jesus who didn't have issues. God is not turned off by your dysfunctionality. He wants to use you in spite of. He wants to get a hold of you in spite of. But we have to be willing to be transparent. I'm just going to flow in the Holy Ghost uh, and kind of tell you what I feel. Before I do, I have to give a shout out to my good friend, Pastor, who just snuck in here. Pastor David Reed, I appreciate him. It's so good to see him. Uh, he's a dear friend. Uh, and I don't, we go way, way, way back. And so I'm thankful for him and what he's doing um, Praise God. So it's good to see him love his family. Um, so if you know anything about scripture, let me just kind of walk you back really quickly. And then I, I told the media team already, I don't know where I'm going to go. I said, man, I, I could be all over, the, all over the place. So let's go back here to Abraham, right? Abraham is an interesting character because Abraham, if you know anything about Abraham, uh, the Lord calls him. And the Lord speaks to him. First of all, let's just be thankful that God pursues us. It's never, it's never us who make the first move. It's always God who makes the first move. Nobody can come to, nobody can come to God unless his spirit draws him. It's the goodness of God that brings us to a place of repentance. 
And so none of us are so super spiritual, but it's like, you know what? I think I'm going to get right with God today. It's just that day. I'm just, yeah. No, it's God calling you. It's God drawing you. It's the grace and goodness of God that brings us to a place of repentance. So God initiates something with Abraham. He calls him to get up from out of his country, his kindred, and to go on this journey. And what's remarkable is God is kind of, humanity has let him down on a number of occasions. Adam and Eve, it's like, oh, yeah, so okay. You know what? We got, I mean, at one point he was just like, you know what? We're just going to start over. <laughs> Flood. Just, I'm not, you know, uh, I, I could go down the list. There's a lot of things. I mean, Cain, Abel, there's a lot of crazy stuff happening. And God's just like, and so, you know, God's like, I need, need one man and one man who's going to respond. And this man, Abraham, changes everything. Abraham takes a leap of faith. Now, can I just tell you, if you're going to take a step of faith uh, and you're going to walk this walk of faith, it's not like one giant step after the other. Sometimes it's just, sometimes it's like, and then sometimes it's just like, you got to wait. But nonetheless, it's a, it's a walk of faith. And so Abraham is taking these steps and he's like, hey, let's go. And some people come with him. Not everybody's going to go with you on the journey. Not everybody's going to go with you on the journey, but he goes on this journey and he's, he's, he's going and he's feeling good about himself. He's like, man, God spoke and I'm going. And we all have those moments. We're going after it. But then when things get tough, what do we do? And so a famine happens, right? If you read in Genesis 12, this famine happens. And when this famine happens, Abraham decides to go down into Egypt. And that messes a whole lot of stuff up because he goes back to what God had brought him out of. See, God called him out of idolatry. And the nation that he came out of was notoriously known for worshiping the moon god and a whole host of other gods. And he went back to what he was comfortable with when things get tough. Now, we all do that too. When things get tough, it's kind of like, oh, man, we go back to the very thing that we know God has delivered us from or called us out of. Uh, but in all of this, God, God's still working in Abraham. As a matter of fact, God refers to him as a friend. This is fascinating stuff. He calls him a friend. Uh, but did you know at one point, at one point, Abraham is told, hey, look, through you, you're going to be the father of many nations. You're going to look, you're not going to be able to number the stars, your descendants like the stars. You're going to look at the sand. You're not going to be able to figure any of this out. It's going to be mind-blowing stuff. I'm going to use you and your wife. And he's like, man, we're, we're dead. I mean, we're alive, but we're dead. <laughs> not happening. But, when, you know, and so Abraham walking this thing out, not sure. Do you know he puts his wife in jeopardy? This is like crazy stuff. I mean, he was like, look, babe. Now, I don't know what he said. I'm just paraphrasing. <laughs> but whatever he said, it sounded good. Because Sarah bought into it. She was like, he was like, baby. He's like, you're so fine. I'm going to need you to just be my sister. Now, if I tried to tell my wife something like that, it's not going to work, bro. That's not going to It'd be really hard anyway. She's a lot lighter than me, praise God. Just, just a little bit. Just baby girl's just a little bit lighter than me. But she buys into this. He's willing to put her at risk. 
not just like once, twice. And God still uses them. Now, Isaac does like the same thing. Like, he's with his wife, and he's like, well, you, look, it worked for dad. Might as well work for me. You, you so, baby, you so fine. I'm going to tell them you're my sister. And like the king, what's his name? Uh, Amalek, I think. He's like looking out the window. This is what the scripture says. I'm not making it. He's looking out the window. He's like, why is Isaac all cuddled up with his sister like that, just laughing? He was like, something ain't right about that. They just, <laughs> and he was like, you know what? I need to look into this. And he asked me. He was like, okay, you called me. That's not really my sister. That's my wife. And God uses them. Now listen, you're not going to find a more dysfunctional home than the home of Isaac. Okay? Because when they couldn't have children, he went to the Lord. His wife went to the Lord. Then they have children, and like, he's got his kid, and she's got hers. And there's this hostility. I'm, and, and God's going to use this home. I'm just, I'm looking at everybody. <laughs> I need everybody to hear me on this one. I'm, there, there's not a home that was like more dysfunctional than this home. I mean, people lying and scheming and manipulating and, could, and could, could, contriving all this crazy stuff. And God is working through, through them all. And so in this, Jacob, who is running for his life, you know, you know he, he, he gets what, you know, he believes is his, and he just going to take what his, and his brother's coming after him, and it's just a mess. And finally, the family realizes, or at least mom and dad realize, you better go. Your brother gets a hold of you, he's going to kill you. And what's interesting is this. He's running, and he has an encounter with God. Now, this encounter with God changes everything, because he lays down, and you know, he looks up. Heaven's open, these angels are descending, the Lord's at the top, and he's like, he wakes up and he's like, whoa, 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 had I known God was here. But here's where I'm going with this. Something changes because he's running. Now, you got to realize, Jacob is running for his life. He thinks his brother is out to kill him. And his brother, he said that. His brother's like, I'm going to kill him. That's what Esau said. I'm going to kill him. So my man Jacob is running for his life, can't find no peace. You know what it's like when you're running. That man was probably looking over his shoulder like, anytime it was dark and he was asleep, he was like, what was that? What was that? Just like, is this Esau? Has he found me? Has he caught up with me? Has my past caught up with me? <laughs> I'm running. I'm running. I'm running. And he has this interaction with God. And again, God appears to him. It's not like God was on his mind. God appears to him and does something supernatural in his life. But here's what's interesting. When he meets his bride, when he meets his bride, Rachel, and he's like, and he goes and she introduces him to Laban, he does something interesting with Laban. The scripture says that he tells him all things. He's willing to be very vulnerable with Laban. Now, Laban is a crooked man. Laban is not necessarily a stand-up dude. But here's what you need to understand. There's something powerful when you live an authentic, vulnerable life before God and before man. 
This is what Jacob decides to begin to do. Now, he's still living this thing out by faith, but he gets real with God, and then he realizes, if I'm going to walk in the victory, if I'm going to walk in an understanding of what God has called me, I can no longer be who I used to be. I've got to be honest not only with myself and with God, but I've got to be honest with others. See, this is what's happening now. So Laban, now now Jacob says, hey, I've told you everything. And Laban was proud. And Laban was really excited because Laban's been here, done that. He remembers when they showed, when Isaac showed up, had like 10 camels. He was like, oh, that's a nice size dowry. We're going to get paid again. We're going to get paid again. Uh, And so it's interesting. So let me just fast forward a little bit. I want to encourage you all tonight, tonight. Here's what I feel. I feel this in the Holy Ghost. I felt like, Lord, just give me clarity. Give me direction as I speak to your people tonight. I know I'm not preaching, but I feel like there's going to be an exercise of God's power and God's spirit in this place. I'm releasing you. I'm releasing you as the spirit begins to move. If you feel led to stand and lift your hands, you do that. Now, I'm not just talking about in support. I'm talking about for your peace. I'm talking about for your sanity. I'm talking about so that you can leave this place whole and God can take the broken pieces and change your circumstances. I'm talking about so you can get sleep tonight like you've never had before. I'm talking about so you can have the peace of God that passes all understanding. I'm talking about so you can go back and it makes no difference the hell that you're facing. You'll have a peace on the inside that cannot be shaken, that cannot be stirred. God wants to submit you and give you that kind of peace so that the peace of God can rule in your hearts. Why don't you lift your hands unto the Lord? Oh, we bless you. Lord, we release the gift of faith in this place. The moving of your spirit, God. We want you to have your way. I'm not interested in my agenda. I'm interested in your agenda, God. I want you to pour out your spirit in this place, God. Help me to teach your word with relevancy and accuracy, God. Move in this place. Heal hearts and minds today, God. I release the peace of the Lord upon everyone under the sound of my voice. Do it, and you'll get the glory, the honor, and the praise. In Jesus' name, would you clap your hands unto him? Shoes tell a lot about a person. Shoes tell a lot about a person. And uh, whether you have uh, an athletic fit, you know, uh, if you have uh, some people, whatever, whatever your shoe is, if you're Jordans or Jays, whatever you want to call them, uh, Oxfords, it makes no difference. You can tell a lot about a person and their shoes. Just you look at the bottom of their shoes. And if you go to Exodus chapter 3, let's go there. Exodus chapter 3, verse 5, I believe we're going to see something interesting. The Lord tells Moses, he says, Then he said, Do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Now, the ground is only holy because God is there. But this is interesting. Moses is on a journey. Now, Moses, if you remember uh, Stephen breaks this down, I believe, in Acts chapter 7. Uh, he, he breaks down Moses' life into three compartments, three 40-year periods. The first 40 years, Moses is like the man. I mean, Pharaoh studied at Sun Temple. Uh, anything that was happening, people wanted to be a part of it because Moses was there. He was Pharaoh's guy. 
a lot of, a lot of cool stuff is happening in, in Moses' life. And he's kind of feeling himself. And he also recognized who his people were. And he was like, look, you know what? I see my people and what they're going through. I'm going to do something about this. He was like, dun, da, da, da. And so he, inter- he, he just, he intercedes and does something, and he's like, oh, they're going to give me lots of love right now. And instead of giving him lots of love, they're like, well, what you going to do, Moses? You going to kill us? Like you killed them Egyptians? And he's like, man, these people tripping. He said, I'm trying to help them out. We together. And so he's got to run for his life. And so now he realizes for the next 40 years of his life, so the first 40 years, he's somebody. The next 40 years of his life, nobody's thinking about Moses. Like nobody's chasing him. Nobody's pursuing him. He's an afterthought. Then people are probably like, what what was was that brother's name? Uh, You know what I'm talking about, man. That's where Moses was. And so here he is on the backside of a mountain seeing a bush. Now, you see bushes on fire all day long. But this bush is different because it's not consumed. And God is speaking to Moses, and he decides, oh, well, I'm just going to roll up on God any way I want to. And this is how we typically do. Again, God initiating. God starting the process. And when God draws us, oh, we're like, oh, God, I'm down, as long as you want to do it like I want to do it. And what happens is God tells Moses, hey, 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 mm-mm, 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 Kind of like when you come in from playing and your mama like, I know you did not run up in this house with your shoes on. You better get up out this house, take those shoes off your feet. You see, I just cleaned this. So God is like, Moses, you can't come at me like that. Take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. Now, the reason why this is important is because in the Middle East, in this, uh, it, it, they, they believe that all of the negativity of a person, the, the absolute worst of a person was represented by the soles of their shoes. This is why you might recall in, remember when President Bush was in Iraq and he was giving a speech? And President Bush, you know, President Bush was cool. He was just like, yeah, you know, we about to... Just help y'all out. Overthrowing the government. Got rid of Saddam Hussein. He's over here just giving a speech. And this journalist is like, oh, I got something for you. And it's like, and threw his shoe at the president. And the president was just like. Because he didn't really understand what had took place, what had happened. What had happened was, he was like, he was like, did that man just throw his shoe at me? He was like, he, he even had a smirk, YouTube it. He was kind of like, hmm, what a shoe going to do? But, but what, and they, they attacked the guy, but what the guy was trying to say is, everything that I detest, everything that I abhor, everything that I think is the worst of me, I'm taking that and I'm hurling it at you. You'll notice when they overthrew the government, 
the Iraqi government, Saddam Hussein statue. You can Google it. You will find people uh, that are taking their shoe, the sole of their shoe, and they're repeatedly hitting the head of the Saddam Hussein statue with their shoe. Again, what they're saying is everything that is negative, everything that I abhor, everything that I have a disdain for, I'm launching that at you. Now, this is important because what God is getting Moses to do is to do something that is very difficult. He's saying, Moses, every negative thing that you are dealing with, the things that you think of yourself, the things that you don't want to talk about, the things that you detest, I want you to reveal those things to me. And so Moses has got to be willing to be broken. This is why if you fast forward, Peter, we all love Peter. We all love Peter, but you do realize Jesus called Peter Satan. Okay, praise God. Now, I'm not fronting on Peter. I ain't no, I'm just saying. But Peter would always put his foot in his mouth and say stuff, you know. Uh, and this is what's fascinating because Jesus, his, his mercy, this is why we can't act like we're anybody. Even Judas, okay, who, when, when the ministry started popping, I'm sorry, I'm just feeling like I'm at home. I'm just, y'all forgive me. <laughs> when the ministry started popping, right, and, and things were happening, and, and it was becoming sustainable, financially viable, Judas watched the money. And you know what? Judas would be like, he'd be like, mm, some for Jesus, some for me. <laughs> some for Matthew, some for me. Some for Peter, some for me. He was just helping himself. And he would be just in, indignant. He'd be like, look, look at Mary over here just, all that. Don't you know what we could do with that? We could help the poor like he was concerned about the poor. Come on. I mean, really? He was just, uh, and you know what? Jesus looked at him on the night he betrayed him. And what did he call him? Friend. 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 What mercy. What grace that God gives us. And, the, and so Peter is like, you know, Lord, don't do this. I'm not going to let anybody touch you, blah, 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 blah. He's like, I don't, you're Satan. You're, you're getting in the way of my purpose, in the way of me fulfilling my purpose. And so here, if you go to John chapter 13, I think, don't, I'm pretty confident it's John 13. It's the Last Supper. And in this instance, what they're doing is they're having the last meal. And Jesus decides to begin to wash their feet. And during this time, now the Lord is about to be arrested, crucified, and gone. And these guys are arguing about who's going to be the greatest. Like, I'm going to be on Jesus' right side. I mean, I guess, John, if you want to be over there. I mean, even if you read it, John says stuff like the disciple whom he loved. He's talking about himself. <laughs> I mean, they're going back and forth. This is crazy stuff. And uh, in the midst of all of this, in the height of their hubris, Jesus is like, I'm going to wash your feet. And what does Peter say? Uh-uh. I already told everybody I'm the holiest one up in here, and I'm next to you, Jesus. But you ain't never washing my feet. Now, they had even averted the ceremonial law of washing feet before you come into the house anyway. Nobody was trying to minister to Jesus. And during this... They're like, Jesus is like, well, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part with me. Read it. Read it. It's right there. And uh, what's interesting is this. He says, you have no part with me. And so Peter, he's telling Peter, here's what you got to do, sir. 
You've got to be willing to reveal the good, the bad, and the ugly in front of everybody. And Peter is all in. Peter's like, okay, you know what? I get it. Not only my feet, but my hands and my head. Can I tell you, God wants to do something tonight, but you got to be willing to be vulnerable. Shoes tell a lot about a person, about where we're going. And I feel like tonight, God wants us to walk in something. He wants us to walk in something. Whenever you put your shoes on, you know you're going somewhere. Now, let me just talk to you a little bit about Ephesians chapter 6, because we talked a little bit about the heavenly places and the spirit realm, okay? So Paul tells us what we need to wear to be effective in the spirit realm. The first thing he tells us is you have to wear your belt of truth, okay? Ephesians 6, what is that, 13, bro? I'm sorry, I am all over the place. Brandon, let's go to Ephesians. Let me just, I know I'm kind of paraphrasing scripture. It'd be nice if I just read one completely. Let's do that. So I can, so, <laughs> therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in this evil, in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, uh, having girded your waist with truth. Okay, now, first of all, I'm going to just read these three components and then I wish I could unpack it all, but I don't have time. He's not talking about a decorative belt. Okay, would y'all like this belt? This is a belt from Target, praise God. We don't have Target in Ontario or Canada. The moment, the moment I got it, I was, I'm going to Target, and I'm getting me a belt. Praise God. I got this belt for $9.99. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. I was so excited. I said, man, let me get this belt from Target. I just, I miss Target. Praise God. So anyway, uh, he's not talking about a decorative belt. He's talking about a belt like a Roman soldier would wear. And this belt would be so much, so it would be like a utility belt. And the belt held everything together. The belt was a stabilizer. It was a stabilizer. And also, you could attach weaponry to the belt. Just like I got this lab mic, the pack right on the... I know it's not going anywhere. I mean, it's like fixed right here because my belt has got it. Now, if I didn't have my belt on, it just all over. Did you like the sound effects? You know, it would be all over the place. But it's not. My belt is holding it in place. Weaponry, it would also, you name it, it would hold these things. It stabilizes. It's the truth. This is why we have to have the truth. But not just have the truth, we have to love the truth. First Thessalonians talks about this. He's like, you know what, they missed it because they don't have a love for the truth. We have to have a love for the truth. It's not just enough to have the truth, we have to love the truth. This truth that I'm talking about, I'm talking about this word right here. Everything in this is truth. I'm not talking about your truth. I'm not talking about my truth. I'm talking about the truth. I'm not talking about what's relative. I'm not talking about what's relevant. I'm talking about what's in the book, period, end of discussion. If it's he said it, it's true, period. Let God be true and every man... This is all scripture. It's true. And so the truth stabilizes us. We're in with truth. I thank God for the truth. Now, we've got that. Then we talk about the breastplate of righteousness. Now, the breastplate of righteousness, first of all, we need to understand that only Christ imputes righteousness unto us. There is none righteous here. None. 
And so in other words, when he imputes righteousness, he has credited to us on our, our behalf. It's like putting money in the bank. Are you hearing me? So he put money in your bank account. He put righteousness in your bank account when he became sin for you and I. He who knew no sin became sin for you and I. Whew, somebody ought to give him praise for that. He imputed righteousness unto us. See, you need to understand your position in Christ can never be attained by performance. Your position in Christ can never be attained by credentials. Your position in Christ can never be attained by education. It was imputed to you by him. It was given to us. It's given to us. And a breastplate protects what? Your heart. This is why you got to watch your heart. You got to guard your heart with all diligence. From out of it flow the issues of life. Praise God. Put your hand on your heart and just say, Lord, help me to protect my heart. 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 God, when you learn to protect your heart, now these are the things that are going to help you. Now, let me just help you here. When he gets to, when he gets to, hey, check this out here. When he says, uh, Having, your, uh, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, let me just give you some of this. Now, what I'm talking about is we're, when we're talking about peace and we're talking about uh, shoes, he's not talking about these Oxford boots. He's talking about almost like cleats. Literally, a Roman soldier when they were going to battle, now you got to remember, we're talking about battle there because he's talking about spiritual warfare. Just stick with me. Spiritual warfare. It would be like the Roman soldier would literally have these sandals, but what would make these sandals different? They would take these thick nails and drive them through these sandals, and they do it all around the stitching of this shoe. And so it's like they were cleats, and it would stabilize them. They could get a hold of their position. It's like if you were playing football or soccer. If you've done that, you understand the importance. Even if you didn't play football or soccer, but you play basketball. Everybody, whenever you play basketball, you always see the players going like this. Or they're going like this. Right? They're getting the dust off because they want to hear it squeak. They want to know if they need to stop and pivot quickly. Their shoe, the traction on their shoe is going to grab the court and they can do so. And so, in this case, what Paul is saying is, you gotta, you've got to get your feet prepared. You've got to get your feet planted in this gospel of peace. And so he's like, hey, you've got to get firm. You gotta, because you're getting ready to go, hear me, on the offense. Now, first of all, let me let you un just get this in your spirit really quickly. You're not out to attain victory. You're operating from a place of victory. If you are in covenant and under covenant with Jesus Christ, you're not operating to go get your victory. You're operating from a place of victory. Victory is already ours. Victory has already been given to us. And so now they're getting this traction. They're getting their feet planted. They're able to take off and launch in the direction that God has called them to do so. And it's in a direction of peace. Everybody say peace. 
peace. It is in a direction of peace. Now, all much so like, uh, let's go to 1 Peter chapter 3. <clears throat> Excuse me, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Uh, if he beat me to it, great. Uh, look at this. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh your reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. This is exactly what Paul is talking about. It's that same type of preparation. He wants you to be prepared just like this. Now, when you think about peace, peace could mean a lot of things right now. Think about it. If you're in Hong Kong or not Hong Kong, Wuhan, China. Woo! Peace. Looks a whole lot different. Go to the Middle East. Talk to someone about peace. Talk to a mother of three. <laughs> All the moms are like, well, I tell you. Peace can mean a lot of things. Peace is different to everybody, but here's what I want you to understand. God wants to give you his peace. What I'm talking about is a peace that doesn't fluctuate or change based on what's happening on the outside. Praise God. Praise God. God wants to give you peace. And here's what you need to understand. So, let, you know what? I remember uh, I prayed, and it's amazing what happens when you just tell God, you know, talk to God. So I was like, Lord, you know what? I need to go on a cruise, Jesus. I said, Lord, I do. Y'all laughing. I said, Lord, I need to go on a cruise. You laugh too? You laugh too, Bubba? Yeah, that's right, Luca. I was like, look. I said, Lord, I need to go on a cruise. I said, I'm just stressed. I just, I need it. And sure enough, would you believe it? Somebody called me and was like, hey, man, the Lord laid it on my heart. We're going to send you and your family on a cruise. I said, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Praise God. So, man, you know, the kids, they run around eating stuff, just having a good time. Lincoln was just ordering carrot cake and apple pie at 2 o'clock in the morning just because he could. They bring it to the room. Man, you know, if you've been on a cruise, uh, then, you know, if you have a balcony, you know, there's something about that door when it closes. I mean, it's just like, boom, you just hear it. You know, you can't. And you step outside, and it's just like, oh, man. The water, the moon, or the sun is just shining. You're just like, peace. Peace. Now, God's not, that's easy to have peace when you're on a cruise. But what you going to do when your spouse is getting on your last nerve? Yeah, I know, y'all just, nobody deals with that. Nobody deals with that here. Praise God. I'm sorry. I'm being a little too real. Praise the Lord. That would never happen here. So that would never happen. Nobody here argues. Praise God. Uh, we talk about discussion being like the Greek for argument. Um, <laughs> so um, your children or the boss or the people you work with or your neighbor or that person that cut you off, it's then when you need peace. See, it's not peace if everything is tranquil and serene. It's only peace when all hell is breaking loose 
and you're up against it, and you know you are fighting in something, and you're fighting against something, God wants to give you peace then so that you have something on the inside that can speak to whatever's happening on the outside, and you are not phased one single solitary bit. Somebody clap your hands unto the Lord. See, when you experience, when you experience godly peace, you know it because you have rest when everything else is at war. God wants to give somebody peace tonight in this place. I'm talking about when nothing looks right. I'm talking about when nothing looks promising. I'm talking about when all is dark. It's exactly in those moments when true peace wins the battle. I'm here to let you know that you could be experiencing chaos on the outside, but God will give you a tranquility on the inside. The peace of God is so completely and entirely opposite to our natural way of responding to life that we can't even get our minds around it. This is the peace that goes with you. This is the peace that God is giving you for the enemy's tactics. So let's look at Philippians 4. I want to show you this. Philippians 4. He says, um, and the peace of God, which surpasseth all understanding, will do what? Guard your heart and whew, your mind. Praise God. You need to know, hear me, peace protects you. Praise God. Now, let me, let me tell you, because you know, you know, see, this is why it guards your hearts and minds. Let somebody get you upset, get you worked up, and you don't have peace. You know, you don't, you boy, you, I'll, I'll slash their tires, boy. You boy. I'm about, I'm, about ready, I'm about ready to cuss them out, you know, because you don't have that peace. You don't have that peace. Sometimes, sometimes when you have peace, people like, they're like, what's wrong? Don't you see me going off on you? They take it the wrong way. Oh, you think you got peace, huh? Oh, you want to be peaceful right now. <laughs> they, don't, they, don't know, they don't know how to respond. This is why you, ha you have to let the peace of God. I remember, now I'm not making light of this because, but I'll, I'll, I'll never forget, and many of you all remember too, if you're of age, you'll never forget where you were September 11th. Now, I was in Richmond, Virginia, a corporate banker, and when this happened, we're trading, you know, we're looking on the news, and people were shocked. We were all shocked, just dumbfounded. But I can remember, we're in Richmond, Virginia, not New York City. People were climbing under the desk, afraid, calling, calling family, and they all knew I was involved in ministry. They never called me Pastor Akil. But on that day, on that day, they were like, Pastor Akil, Pastor, come, come pray. And I remember I was just kind of shocked. I was thinking to myself, man, I was like, is this it, Jesus? I was like, well, I'm just going to go outside and get ready, you know, just because I was like, if we get ready to go, I'm like, I'm, I'm ready. Just come to, I was like, I was like, let's go. I just, we can skip all the buildings and all that stuff. I'm just going to be right outside in the parking lot. You, just, you can just take me on up. I'm just, I'm like, let's go. <laughs> Obviously, we're still here, praise God, because <laughs> we got work to do. But even while this was happening, I checked on my wife, but I had a peace. Yeah. Yeah. It was inexplicable. Yeah. I remember, I remember people running around frantic crazy. The conference room was packed. People were like, what are we going to do? They were, they were like packed in a room for like safety. Yeah. And I remember just walking by. I thought, I'm just going to go out to my car and talk to God a little bit. 
I had this peace. God wants to give you a peace no matter what's happening in your world. You could have a September 11th happening in your world, in your family. Your family could be on the precipice of divorce or financial ruin, and God will give you a peace that says he will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. Your marriage is not done. God will keep you. God will keep your children. God will keep you, and he'll keep you in perfect peace. He wants to give you peace tonight. If you want his peace, lift your hands. Hallelujah. Come on and tell him, God, I want your peace on my mind. I want your peace on my home. I need your peace in my family. I need your peace. Hallelujah. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel the Holy Ghost. Come on, let's worship him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Your peace, your peace, your peace. See, some of you are about to get peace. Some of you, have been, the enemy's been hounding you. Stuff has been haunting you. And you don't even know what it's like to have peace. You don't know what it's like to have peace anymore. Sleeping through a panic attack. See, I, I, I've been through that. I remember uh, there was a season where my wife was like, she was like scared. She was like, do we have to take you somewhere? Because I remember waking up almost every night. I'd wake up, oh, oh, I'd, go cl I'd clutch in my chest. I'm screaming in the middle of the night. I'm calling on Jesus, and I'm thinking to myself, and I can remember, I remember a spirit of fear was tormenting me. I was stressed out. I was empty, I was burned out, I was done. And I remember the Lord speaking clearly to me that night after, after uh, my wife was like, I was like, babe, I don't know what's going on. I, was, I remember I went to bed that night, I woke up and I clutched my chest and I cried out and she had just gotten to the point where it was so violent, but she had just gotten to the point where she was just like, she just put her hand on me and be like, it's going to be okay. And I remember waking up screaming and the Lord just spoke to me. He says, stop it. Stop. And I was like, but God. He said, no, stop. Let me give you my peace. And immediately I had to surrender. And I began to let, let God just take control of it. God, I don't, I don't have the answers. I don't know how I got to this place, but I don't like this place. I don't like being robbed of my sleep. And I don't like not looking forward to going to bed. I wanted to do everything but go to bed. God gave me a peace. God gave me a peace. God gave me a peace. And that night, that night, I went right to bed after he said that. So now, you know stuff will happen. I got so much peace, I ain't trying to wear anybody out. But, you know, we do wrestle against, you know, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness in high places. I remember just recently I was going through demonic attack, whatever, and I was like this. Really? I'm going back to bed. <laughs> I was like, in Jesus' name, I'm good. Because I have a peace. I have a peace. I have a peace. And God wants to give us a peace tonight. So let me, let me just help you. I'm talking about something that reaches beyond what you and I can comprehend. When we receive and walk in that peace, it settles our hearts. It guards our minds. Let's look at Colossians 3. Look at this. Look at, you're going to love this. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. What time is it? Ooh. Okay. 
Praise God. Uh, I'm going to hurry up. All right. Look at Colossians 3.15. Uh, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. This is fascinating stuff. Now, literally, if you read this and you study it, the, the word rule means to umpire. Now, you know what an umpire does. When an umpire, if, if they're, the umpire is behind the plate, and if he calls that a ball, the pitcher, what he pitched, if he calls it a ball, what is it? If he calls it a strike, what is it? If he calls it a foul, what is it? You need to understand, the peace of God is to rule your heart just like that. Praise God. I need you to get this in your spirit. The peace of God wants to rule just like that. If he said, peace. If he said, receive my sweet sleep, then sleep. If he said, joy. Oh, God. If he said strength, that's the reality. God's peace is to rule our hearts, not your circumstances, not your bank account, not your mind. Your, the peace of God. Praise God. See, I'm going to say this, and then I think I might be done. I think. I'm not sure yet. I'm just going to figure this out. So let's go to John 16 really quickly. I hope this is okay. I just, let me tell you why this is important, because here's what I feel like the Lord put in my spirit. You all are in transition. And I felt like Pastor even confirmed this tonight when he said we're going to another level. He started talking about going to another level. I'm going to preach about the markers of transition tomorrow night. And I feel like God's going to seal something. But sometimes what we need to understand is it's not the new season that does us in. It's our inability to navigate through the transition to get us to the next season. But before we do that, we got to get our mind right. We got to get our mind right. Now, watch what Jesus does here. This is fascinating stuff. Before I even go to John 16, let's go to John 14. I'm sorry, 14 and 27. He says, now, check this out. This, he's, he, if you don't know, he being Jesus is about to be crucified. He's about to be crucified. John 14, 27, and here's what he says. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, wow. neither let it be afraid. Uh, Praise wow. God. <laughs> he's about to be crucified, and he's got a peace, a peace that he's ready to leave with everybody else. My peace I give to thee. My peace I live with, leave with thee. God wants to give us peace. Peace. Now, check this out. Check this out, John 16, 33. I got to hurry up. Uh, John 16, 33. Um, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Praise God. Okay, hear me. In order to overcome something, you have to have something to overcome. Newsflash, right? Peace is always tied to overcoming something. Peace is always tied to overcoming something. You won't know when you truly have peace until you know you have something to overcome. 
I'm talking about fighting an addiction, but have peace. Talking about fighting a battle, but still have peace. I'm talking about conflict, but you still have peace. I'm talking about struggle, but you still have peace. And here's the peace. The peace is good news. We have good news. That's what the gospel is. It is good news. Now, if you check this out, if you look it up, and Pastor Roma and Pastor Reed, they're both theologians. I am not. But in either the informal or the formal Greek, they don't use this word evangelion, which is like, uh, it's almost like it's too good to be true. So they never use this word. And Paul, uh, you know, they're using this word here, this gospel. He's using this, the gospel, the piece of this gospel. It is too good to be true. The peace that God wants to give you is so good. It's too good to be true. (laughs) Praise God. And this is exactly what God wants to give you in the midst of spiritual warfare. Praise God, I feel the Holy Ghost. See, the enemy wants you to take off your shoes of peace. But God wants you to put on your shoes that prepared with the good news of the gospel. And you have peace. I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel the, there's a deep work of the Holy Ghost that's fixing to happen right now. I want, uh, I want the gentleman who plays the, the piano to come. Praise God. I feel the Holy Ghost. I want us to just begin to talk to the Lord for just a moment. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody's going to see a victory, for the battle belongs to the Lord. Yes. I feel the Holy Ghost so strong right now. Come on, he's calling. He's calling. He's calling. He's calling. I'm telling you, in the midst of addiction, you can have peace. I'm not telling you that God is going to leave you in your mess. I'm telling you he's going to pull you through it. Now, here's what you need to understand. See, some of us think that I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm going to, the Lord's going to minister to somebody here. We think that peace is the absence of conflict. No, 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 no. Peace is something down on the inside when all hell is breaking loose. Like the Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So you know what? They're like, hey, look, you got to bow. Here's really the deal. If you don't do what the, what the world, the system that we set up, if you don't do this, you're going to be in trouble. And they're like, well, it doesn't really make us any difference. You know, we're good. God's got us. I'm just paraphrasing, and, and he's like, and they're like, if, he, if, if we die, it's all good. We're still going to serve the Lord. We, he's got us whether we do or don't. We're good. We're just going to die in God. We're good. We just got this peace. Got this peace. And so they're like, oh, well, you see that peace you got, let me, see how, let me see how real that peace is. He said, go ahead and turn that fire up a little bit, bro. They were like, how hot do you want us to get it? Oh, he said, um, uh, like two times, uh, three times. He said, no. He said, they got peace. So let's see how peaceful they are. Seven times. Seven times hotter. He said, start playing that music. He said, they're going to bow. And you know, they threw them in that fire. And the king was like, 
He was like, no, no, I can't be seen. He's like, I know I don't see what I'm seeing right now. He was like, wait a second. He said, they are not consumed. And it looks like, it looks like the Son of God. There's a fourth person in there. See, what you have to understand is, you are all the time, I'm going to help somebody. You're praying, God, change my circumstances. And God's like, I'm not going to change your circumstances. I'm just going to join you in it. I'm not going to change it, but I'm just going to go through it with you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to be right by your side. And they're going to wonder, how did you survive this? How did you make it through this? It's because I'm right with you. The Holy Ghost is here. The Holy Ghost is here. The Holy Ghost is here. Here's what I feel. I want us all to stand. I feel the Holy Ghost in such a strong way. Praise God. I'm here to encourage you because he's with you. He's with you. Through sickness, he's with you. Through the trials, he's with you. Through your kids walking away, he's with you. Through you losing the job, he's with you. Through the depression, he's with you. Through the counseling, he's with you. Through the heartache, he's with you. Are you hearing me? Through the addictions, he's with you. Through the hang-ups and the hurts and the destructive habits, he's with you. There's a peace that he wants to give you tonight. I feel the Holy Ghost in such a strong way. The question is this. Are you willing to be vulnerable? Say, God. Oh, I need your peace. I need your peace, God. I need your peace. I need your peace. I feel a couple of things. I feel a couple of things. One, I want to pray. I know this may seem generic, but I feel like there's families and specifically a couple of marriages that are going through some things. God wants to give you peace. You're worried about how we're going to figure it out. How are we going to make a way? God just wants to give you peace. And guess what? Then you stop striving and you stop working hard to figure it out. You just... You just stand. And guess what? You're standing planted. Because you got those shoes that are deep in truth. There's somebody else that I just feel like God's reaching for. I'm in the Holy Ghost because the Lord told me this. He said, son, I'm, I told Pastor Romine earlier today. I said, what God has put on my heart tonight, I don't have a title for. I don't really know. I just feel like this is why God sent me tonight. There's somebody here who is drowning in depression. The Lord just realized it. He just presented it to me. You're drowning in disappointment. God wants to pull you out of that. 
He wants to give you a peace. Your failures have governed your expectations. Your failures have arrested your mobility. Your failures have arrested how you even pursue God. You're not even pursuing your dreams. You put them on the shelf. I'm here to wipe the dust off those dreams and breathe life into those dreams. God wants to give you a peace and tell you it ain't over until he says it's over. Come on, that's it. The Holy Ghost. I need some more vulnerable people who will be real and say, it's me, it's me, it's me, it's me, it's me. The Holy Ghost is here and he's moving. Come on. If your marriage is going through something, if your family is going through something, I need you to grab your spouse. I need you to grab your family and come to this altar and pray in the name of Jesus. Come on, that's it. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, they're going to begin to sing. And they're going to begin to play, but the Holy Ghost is here to minister so that you can have your peace, so that you can go back to your situation no matter what you're facing and have a confidence in going to bed tonight, and you'll have sweet sleep. Come on, that's it. Come on, would you reach out to him? Would you reach out to him and lift those hands? Would you begin to let the tears stream down your face and let peace wash over you? Let peace sanctify you. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts and minds. Come on, that's it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.